Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen at snc.tv and local now channel 525 the bruce Hooley show podcast is brought to you by hemispherecoffeeroasters.com creating jobs and restoring dignity one cup at a time good coffee doing good learn more at hemispherecoffeeroasters.com so this weekend little rain cooler temperatures good recipe for good sleep oh sorry you don't have a my pillow yet why you haven't ordered what can't afford the twenty dollar cost Nineteen ninety eight for a MyPillow, really? Would it make you feel better? Would it finally push you to go to MyPillow.com and plug in my promo code Bruce? If I told you that when I purchased my MyPillow, and it's been uh, six or seven years ago, I paid sixty nine ninety eight for it. No, no, I was not an unwise consumer. I was walking into the Columbus Home Show, and I had heard about the MyPillow, and I was like, could a pillow really make that much difference if I could only lay my head on it? And there they were, selling my pillows. And I laid my head on it, and I thought, hey, this might work. This might take away my neck pain. I think my head could be better supported by this pillow than any other pillow. And that is, in fact, true. So now you get that same exact pillow for nineteen ninety eight, but only when you go to MyPillow.com and plug in my promo code, Bruce. I shared in hour number one some statistics and some insight and perspective that I've gained from talking to several police officers, uh, some in the Columbus Police Department, some in suburban departments. I particularly found my conversations with Columbus police uh, interesting in that uh, they told me that, you know, they generally like, they like Chief Elaine Bryant and Assistant Chief Lashana Potts, that they're very friendly, easy to deal with, good to converse with. Uh, but that their perspective on crime is not the same as the perspective of many officers. That Officers feel like, mm, you know, you commit a felony. <laughs> you should probably be prosecuted for that. But that uh, Chief Bryant and uh, Assistant Chief Potts, though they will never say this on the record because, you know, they have to get up in front of the cameras and talk about how terrible, awful car thefts are. Felonies, fourth degree felonies. They have said to officers in private that, mm-mm, a property crime. People don't really care about property crimes. I mean, you know, I sort of get it. When you have a record number of people murdered in Columbus in 2020 and in 2021, uh, that would be your top priority to reduce the murder rate. But that does not mean, should not mean, that you let felony car theft go. But they are pretty much letting it go. And this is a troubling number. A year and a half ago, Columbus Police Investigative Unit had about 40 detectives. About 40, give or take a few. Now, uh, less than half that. Less than half that. You say, well, you know, they, they gave a lot of people retirement. They're retooling, Bruce, and they'll move people up to detective. No. Not an urgent matter to restaff the detective bureau. Not an urgent matter. And one of the officers told me that the uh, strong belief within the division of police, is that Elaine Bryant and Lashana Potts will not be the last infusion of police, quote-unquote, talent coming to our city from the safe, 
glowing bastion of uh, modern policing that is Detroit, Michigan. Yes, that's right. Elaine Bryant and Lashana Potts both came here from Detroit, Michigan, which um, by any objective measure is a inferior city to Columbus, Ohio in many ways. But we got our chief and our assistant chief from there. And very soon, because we're paying 100 experienced police officers $200,000 a piece to go away because they don't buy into the, I wish I had harp music to play in the background, reimagined Columbus Police Department because these officers don't buy into that. Uh, They're getting $200,000 to go away, go away, go away. Go to Hilliard, go to Upper Arlington, go to Dublin, go to New Albany, go to Westerville, go to Gahanna, and make those already safer than Columbus suburbs even more safe than Columbus. That's what will happen. And we can't train new officers fast enough to fill the vacancies, so what would you do? Well, one of the things you could do is you could go out and say, hey, hey, we got a beautiful city here in Columbus, at least, you know, until Andrew Ginther and Mike Coleman ruined it. Why don't you come work and do your policing here? We'll pay you to come here. We'll recruit you here. Watch in the near future for that to be green lit by the city's administration. And you know where they're going to go to get officers? Where do you think? Where do you think two top police officials who came from Detroit will go to get police they feel good about seeing the world the same way they do? Yeah, I think that's a layup question. You know, they're coming from Detroit. So, the Detroitification of Columbus will continue. Thanks to Andrew Ginther, who is responsible for everything that happens in the division of police. Now, I haven't given you an update lately on the Richmond, Indiana police officer, Sierra Burton, who was shot during a routine traffic stop. She and her police dog were called to a guy stopped on a moped. The dog sniffed around the moped, sniffed drugs. And at that moment, the guy realizing, "Mm, they got me, pulled out a gun, started shooting, shot Officer Burton in the head. She's been in critical condition ever since at Miami Valley Hospital in Dayton, and the officer, uh, Chief of Police Michael Britt of Richmond, Indiana, yesterday, two days ago, rather, said that there have been some bright spots since Wednesday, but her condition is still very serious. The doctors and nurses are providing her with the best possible medical care, and we are very grateful. We as a department and a community continue to hope and pray for her recovery. Yes, we join you in that. I'm a big believer in prayer. Uh, Prayer is an amazing thing. It gives you peace. It convicts you. It gives you direction. It gives you an opportunity to quiet yourself and avail yourself of what God's mind is, what God's approach to problems are. And so I try to discipline myself to connect with God in prayer several times a day. One of the things that I think we need to pray about is specifically the complete eradication of this exceedingly dangerous road we are going down in this country 
where we are allowing to take root this idea that transgenderism is anything other than a mental illness. It is a mental illness. I can argue it logically. I can argue it biblically. You would not tell, as I've said before many times, sorry for those of you who listen to the show regularly and are tired of the analogy, but you would not tell an anorexic person, you are right, you are fat, you need to lose weight. Why don't you go throw up in the toilet? You would not tell an anorexic person that. That would be cruel. That would be mean. You would be abiding their mental delusion that they are fat when they are not. Yet we tell boys and girls, oh, okay, you feel like a girl, you feel like a boy? Okay, you must be, sure. I mean, if you really feel strongly, we'll go ahead. We'll cut your healthy breasts off, teenage girl. We'll cut your penis off, healthy boy. That is mutilation of children. It is mutilation. So I was happy to hear Tucker Carlson talking about it last night because he has a big platform and he can move people to do things that other commentators cannot. What is gender-affirming care? Well, gender-affirming care is the sexual mutilation of children. That's what it is. Here's a specific example. Boston Children's Hospital alone performed 65 double mastectomies on children between 2017 and 2020. Now, these weren't mastectomies for, say, breast cancer. They were not medically necessary. They were in response to trans ideology. That's according to the Journal of Clinical Medicine. So to be clear, Boston Children's Hospital is not ashamed of committing sexual mutilation of children. They brag about it on YouTube. They do. I've played the cuts for you. They, these are videos put out by hospitals where they glorify what they are doing, cutting off healthy organs from a human being simply because the human being has a mental delusion about their sex. You know, I remember an episode of MASH years and years and years ago where there was a colonel at the front who was um, unhinged in his approach to battle. And he was back at the back of the unit on the front lines of the Korean War. And so he could, the storyline said, send his troops up to try to take a hill And if there were heavy casualties, well, so what? That was the cost of doing business. And so after repeated numbers of his wounded came into the Mobile Army Surgical Hospital, Hawkeye Pierce, the doctor played by Alan Alda, decided he was going to give that colonel something to give him extreme stomach pains. It was harmless. But Hawkeye Pierce used that particular circumstance that he inflicted on the colonel by giving him a pill to Remove the colonel's appendix, thus getting the colonel relieved of his command. And uh, B.J. Honeycutt, Hawkeye's partner as a doctor, was screaming at Hawkeye, you can't do that. You can't take a perfect, healthy organ and remove it. And then Hawkeye did it. And And B.J. said, what happened? And he said, his appendix was pink and perfect, and I threw it in the scrap heap. And at that moment, more wounded came in. So the problem continued... And this problem with gender mutilation will continue unless we do something about it. So I know I pound this table a lot, but there are just so many tentacles to the evil of the transgender movement. 
LGBTQIA plus ampersand hyphen whatever. It's all by its own design under the same umbrella. I mean, think about it. They must have some common agenda to all be under the same umbrella, right? Well, let's examine that. Lesbian, that's women who are sexually attracted to other women. Gay, that's men who are attracted sexually to other men. Bisexual, that's man or woman attracted to both. Transgender is man or woman who denies they are man or woman. How can that be aligned with <laughs> with lesbians or or gay men? They don't view their own sexuality anywhere at all the same, yet they are united under the same umbrella. What umbrella is that? What common interests would they share? Ooh, well, now when you dig into that, they've got a lot of common interests. They have a common interest in converting society to not tell them that their lifestyle is destructive to them. And so they are trying to indoctrinate and raise a generation of kids who will look at their deviant lifestyle as normal, as normal. Hence, yesterday at Granby Elementary in Worthington, elementary school kids were asked their pronouns by their teacher. Now, at home, pretty sure it's seamless. If you have little boys, you refer to them as he, him. If you have little girls, you refer to them as she, her. You don't discuss the gender fluidity, non-binary, non-gender conforming. None of that nonsense. But at school, oh, teachers, they want to plant that seed, water that seed, grow that seed, and harvest that crop down the road when kids will be like, well, I've been taught this since first, second, third grade. Must be normal. No, it's not normal. The other aspect is that, you know what, if you can raise a generation of kids to agree with your deviant lifestyle, the most demented among the LGBTQIA plus ampersand alphabet mafia group, the so-called minor attracted persons, parenthetical uh, pedophile, because that's what a minor attracted person is, a person with a sexual attraction to a minor, that's a pedophile, but you can't call them a pedophile because, you know, a pedophile might hurt their feelings. I mean, you don't want to hurt the feelings of somebody who sexually abuses a child, do you? What are you, some kind of Bible-thumping Christian? Yeah. So minor attracted persons is interesting. This really drives the alphabet mafia crazy when I say it, but one of the common umbrellas under which the LGBTQ alphabet mafia movement is united is in the hoped for by them future legalization of pedophilia. They want it legalized. They want it eradicated from the books that illegal aliens like Gerson Fuentes would be charged with rape for impregnating a 10-year-old girl. They want that. They would love to have that. Why do you think we have drag queen story hours in libraries with little kids? To get them to look at that deviant behavior as normal. It is not normal. It is evil. And it is a threat to our society. It is chiefly 
a complete and utter rejection of the authority of God. Complete and utter rejection of the authority of God. Because God orders whether you are male or female. And what more rebellious attitude could you take than to say, you know, God, we're going to go all the way back to the very beginning. When I came out of the womb, a male or a female, you got that wrong. There could be no more rebellious viewpoint a person could have of God than that. So that's, again, why we need to stop being afraid of speaking the truth about this ever-increasing wickedness, as the Bible calls it, which advocates for surgical... Again, with the left, it's always a word that is not at all what the word really means. Surgical solutions to the mental illness that is transgenderism, gender dysphoria. It's a mental illness. Now look, when you say it's a mental illness, people get really upset with that. But you have to understand that mental illness is oftentimes... Uh, completely non-preventable, okay? I mean, if you go out and you overdose on drugs and you fry your brain, well, then you could go back and say, yeah, you did something there to cause your mental illness. But mental illness is largely a mystery. And mental illness is absolutely real. And transgenderism is a mental illness. Now, it oftentimes manifests itself because it's coached into kids, they're lured into that place, lured into that place, people foolishly think, innocently, by teachers who go, you know, what are your preferred pronouns? I just don't want to offend you by calling you by the wrong pronoun. And the answer to that question is, I'm a boy. I was born a boy, and I will always be a boy, as will every other person who was ever born a boy. That's the answer. I'm a girl. I was born a girl. I will always be a girl, as will every other girl who was born a girl. That's the answer. Give that answer to teachers. Give that answer to your corporate seminar. Give that answer to your, you know, post-school instruction when Amanda from Kaleidoscope Youth Center comes around and tells you 12-year-olds have figured out the whole gender thing and adults haven't. Give that answer. I'm a boy. I was born a boy. I will always be a boy. So will every boy who was ever born a boy. Because that is a true answer. And so we've got to start fighting back against this. And if it takes picketing at Children's Hospital because they're doing surgeries on kids, gender-affirming care, gender-affirming care is mutilation of a healthy young person. It is not up for debate the kind of damage that will do to that kid, not just physically, but more so psychologically and emotionally. The statistics show that these issues resolve themselves 80% of the time if you just do nothing. And we are in an era where this is being pushed and advocated by people in authority like it never has been before. And so if they're going to push and push and push and push this agenda on the left, Do we not understand that they are going to win if there is no resistance pushing back? 
I mean, I I fail to understand how anyone can miss that inevitable outcome. That if good people do not stand up for common sense and truth, we are going to lose this battle and it will be worse, the results of which will be worse than any cultural or spiritual battle we have ever lost before. 